Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Live Church Orlando, where we encourage you to live your life His way. For more information about Live Church and other resources, please visit livechurchorlando.com. We're talking about get on up. Get on up. Woo! So y'all know here at Live 2018, this is the year to come up, right? I said this is the year to come up, right? Okay, I see some people that's already been coming up. I like it. Get on up. No condemnation. Woo! This is important. I'm going to just let y'all know that right now. The reason why I'm doing this, let me tell y'all how this message came about. So, for one, can we put our hands together for Pastor Tay as well? Such an amazing, fearless leader, classy, an example for women. White Adidas sweatsuit looking godly in this John. Come on, man, give it up. Yes, yes. So Pastor Tay, Pastor Tay usually talks about consciousness. It's like one of her favorite subjects. And she don't say a whole lot, but when she come up, 90% of the time, she's going to say something about consciousness. What are you conscious of? What do you believe in your mind? Jesus' work is already finished. Our work is still to be determined based on our years on this, on this earth. So she's always talking about consciousness, why it's important to believe certain things. And um, the way this message came about, seeds from her, but also Pastor Ty had missed a Wednesday a little while ago. Y'all remember that? And I thought he was going to ask me to preach. I was actually a little nervous. So I had put together this get on up message. And then he was just like, yo, we're just going to shut the service down. And I was like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. But, you know, so I was trying to wreck my brain. Like, yo, what can I preach that will just be cool and fun? And, you know, so I came up with this happily ever after thing. Because, you, know, you know, it's March gladness. It's cheer up. So I'm like, happily ever after. We could talk about heaven. And just everything will just be so happy. Everybody will just be smiling because we're talking about the, the golden gates, the golden arches, if, if you will. So, you know, God was like, nah. He was like, last time I gave you get on up, so you're going to do get on up. I was like, cool. Come on, Doc. Jesus. So, James Brown is known as the godfather of soul. I don't want to talk about James Brown. I'd rather talk about the good father of souls. Good God almighty. I thought that was cool. The good father of souls. So, I, you know, last night I did a little homework. I'm like, let me just watch Get On Up. Anybody know the movie Get On Up just came out, the Black Panther played him? Right, Black Panther playing everybody these days. He's just winning. Shout out to the Panther. Wakanda forever. Yes. So, yeah. I'm like, let me just watch the movie and see if he say anything that's, you know, just kind of deep. You know, it'd be cool to sprinkle in a little quote. So he said something that was kind of crazy. It went right with the message. It was a scene where he was at, uh, I think he was at the Apollo Theater. He about to go on stage, right? And his manager came in and was like, hey, Mr. Brown, everybody got to call him Mr. Brown. I don't know if y'all seen the movie, but if you don't call him Mr. Brown, it's a fine. 20 bucks. Watch the movie. So Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown, I got some bad news, man. I'm like, bad news? What you talking about? He like, hey, man, they got the Rolling Stones here tonight, too. And I know you thought you was going to close the show. They said the Rolling Stones got closed the show. And it was like this whole, you know, racial thing. And he got mad about it. So he walks off. He pisses. You know, he, 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 then he looks in the camera. And he's like, I can't quit. He's like, I can't quit. Because if you quit, you're going backwards. And if I go backwards, I'm dead. Whew. He said, I can't quit. He said, nah. He said, I'm going to take it. And I'm going to flip it. He said, I'm going to go forward and live. I promise y'all he said that. He said, I'm going to go forward and live. Watch the movie. I promise he said it. Right at the Rolling Stones scene. So, pastor has been talking about 
thieves of joy. This is my last little thing and we can go in. He's been talking about thieves of joy, things that take your joy. So I think last Wednesday, he was like, one of the biggest thieves of joy is comparison. When you're always comparing yourself to people, you're not, you're not grateful for what God is doing inside of you. You're not realizing that you're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, in the image of Jesus Christ. And he's already given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. He's already given it to you. One of the biggest thieves is comparison. Then this past Sunday, whew, was anybody here this last Sunday? He talked about two other thieves of joy. He said expectations and affections, right? Expectations, misplaced expectations can be a thief of your joy because you set your expectations too high or too low or in the wrong thing in general. It can be a thief of your joy. Misplaced affections can be a thief, a thief of your joy. The Bible says set your affections on things above. So we all know that. We all remember that. Sunday was crazy. We did a little march. Y'all remember the march? I was in the number. I was in the number. I was in the number. So I want to talk, talk about a, 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 what I think is, I ain't going to say number one, but one of the enemy's most paramount thieves of joy. Condemnation. You feel bad when you mess up. You love God. You want to please him. When you sin, you feel bad. You kind of beat yourself up a little bit sometimes. Sometimes you're like, why am I still doing this? I should be past this point. I should not be doing this anymore. You start condemning yourself. Sometimes the enemy don't even have to say nothing. Because of how we've been trained in some churches, and a lot of churches that we've come up in, the church is the first to condemn you when you do something wrong. The church is the first one to remind you of your sin. That's the consciousness that we're talking about, that we're trying to unlearn here and live, that we don't believe in here and live. Amen. So one of our founding principles is that God is good. He is good. He doesn't just do good things. He literally is good. That's why the Bible says all things work together for good. Man, I'm not even, I'm going too fast. Let's go to the first slide. Woo! This is why I'm preaching this. This is Paul talking in 1 Corinthians. He says, what I received... I pass on to you as first importance. Paul is saying, this is the most important thing that I can give you. Paul wrote over half the New Testament. He says the most important, not even most important, because most important would be big. First importance. This is where you have to start. Of first importance. According to the scriptures, Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day. It's the most important thing. Is anybody grateful for that? See, I'm the type of person, if I see something like that, I might just scream out. I want y'all to do stuff like that because it's going to encourage me. Okay? All right, cool. Next slide. Let's keep it moving. This is of first importance. Somebody say, Jehovah, sick anew. Woo! Okay. So I got to give y'all a little heads up. These a lot of this stuff from the Get On Up message, I sprinkle into our live youth meetings. Like I'll take a scripture here, a scripture here, and sprinkle it in. So this is a lot of stuff that our Livites been hearing already. Okay? So our Livites, this is the root of how we started the youth ministry. With this belief, the Lord is my righteousness. <sighs> this is a lot. Okay, righteousness means right standing. Righteousness means I'm in right standing with God, okay? The Lord is my righteousness. So it doesn't matter what I do, this is true. This pill, you see it's like a little pill? We should wake up every morning and take this pill before we do anything. Before I put my clothes on, before I check my cell phone, before I brush my teeth, I, I have a conscious a conscious breakfast. The Lord is my righteousness. The enemy will not deceive me to walk in condemnation no matter what happens today. I'm going to put my best foot forward to honor God, but in the event that I do mess up, the Lord is my righteousness. 
I think one of, the, one of the reasons why we have problems believing this is because it doesn't have a physical manifestation. Okay, check this out. We are strong in certain things that have physical proof. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. So when we don't got no money or our finances is dropped below where we're comfortable, we stand on Jehovah Jireh, and we stand on that thing. I mean, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider, and we stand on it until we see money. Then it's like, God came through. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer. When we sick, we stand on that thing. The Lord my healer. Father, I'm healed in Jesus' name. On your cross, you curse every sin and death. You were bruised for our, our iniquities. Our chastisement of my peace was upon you. And by your stripes, I'm, and we stand on it. This one, it's all up here. There is no physical proof that this is actually fruitful in your life. It's all in your mind. It's all up here, Malik. So that's why this is hard for us to believe. The Lord is my righteousness even when I mess up. How do I know? How do I? I don't feel like it, so how do I know? It's all about what you believe. Oh, my goodness. It's all about your consciousness. What else do I have? We lose identity when we feel guilty. Our identity's in Christ. We do something wrong. The enemy gets to talking, and now we feel shamed and guilty. And Jesus paid for all of that. Jesus paid for every bit of that condemnation. I promise you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. What else I got? A sin-conscious mind will rob you of joy. You will not be happy if you only think about your mistakes. We can go to the next slide. I love this. Check this out. Hebrews 5. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. By, by this time, we should all be able to teach somebody else this. We've been walking with God long enough. But you still need somebody to give you the elementary truths. You still need to regurgitate one plus one is two in the spirit. You mess up. You should be teaching somebody how to continue to walk with God through sin, through mistakes. But you allow the enemy to make you feel bad. It throws you completely off of your walk, for, walk with God for, let's say, two, three, four, five, however many days it takes you to realize I'm good. And you done missed all of that time. The elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Grown people with bottles. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, check this out, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. This is the elementary truth. At the, at the very basis of Christianity, the Lord is your righteousness. It don't matter if, you, if your money not how you, how you want it, if your body not lining up, it don't matter... Whatever you're going through at the base of your belief, the Lord is my righteousness. It doesn't matter how many mistakes I make, the Lord died for my sins. So I don't go any direction but forward. It's the only direction I have to go. Okay, cool. The elementary truth is you're not acquainted with our righteousness. You need somebody to teach it to you all over again. You mess up, you got to get back to church on Sunday to feel better. Let's go to the next slide. Whew. All right, this is kind of long. I'm going to break it down because this is my favorite passage in the whole Bible. It's Romans 5. This is comparing Adam to Jesus, okay? Adam is the one who brought sin into the world. God created a perfect world in Genesis. Adam ate the fruit. We all know this story. Sin came into the earth. Jesus is the one who removed sin. Jesus is the one who through his sacrifice, what Adam did doesn't even matter anymore. It's not even important. It doesn't have any validity in your life. Check this out. 
The gift, the gift is righteousness, by the way, and I'll show you that. The gift is not like the trespass or the sin. So what Jesus did is not like what Adam did. If many people die by one man's sin, how much more? This is the Bible. If many people die by Adam's sin, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace in Jesus Christ overflow to many? How much more? What's more powerful, sin or grace? Do we believe it? If sin can stop grace in your life, then it's more powerful than grace. Period. Period. Let's keep going. Boom. Nor, no, 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 no. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of man's sin. Not only is what Jesus did better, it says it can't even be compared. You can't even compare sin to grace. It can't even be compared. What are you tripping on? Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. What are we even talking about, Tim? What are we talking about? The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses. If by the trespass of one man, death reigned, once again, how much more were those who received God's ab abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness? There it goes again. Righteousness is a gift. You don't have to do nothing to earn it but believe. That's so easy, D'Angelo. Yo, God is so good that he made this gift accessible by just believing in your mind. You don't have to do anything. Oh, my God. Do y'all understand how good that is? Y'all tripping, man. I feel it. Okay. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, by one righteous act, we're all justified. Uh, 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 just as through the disobedience of one man, through the disobedience of one man, Adam, we're all born sinners. One man messed up, we're all born sinners. But through the obedience of one man, we're all made righteous. I had to break that down because that's, that's important. It's important. Next slide, please. Oh, my God, this is so crazy right here. I just added this at the last minute. Whew. The first mention of shame in the Bible. Remember we talked about the law of first mentions. I'm going to say it again for anybody who wasn't here. Anytime you see a word in the Bible, the first time you see it, it can be, it can be interpreted that way every time you see it. So the first time we see shame is in Genesis 2. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. The first time we see shame, there is no shame. Yo, the first time, the first time we ever, yo, all right, can y'all go with me real quick? This is the beginning of time, okay? Adam and Eve are the first people. So there is literally nobody before them. The first time we see shame, they're both completely naked. There is, shame doesn't exist. In the first context, there is no shame. You want to know what happened? This is the last verse in Genesis 2. He closes the creation story with this. Genesis 3, 1 is the next verse. Guess who's introduced? The serpent. Right after there's no shame comes the serpent. Verse 6, they both eat the fruit. The Bible says their eyes were open and they were ashamed. Immediately after sin... Is shame. That's his. That's his only vice against you. If you don't feel shame, he literally can't touch you. The Bible says they were naked. They hid themselves and were ashamed. They heard God coming in the cool of the day and they hid. They were ashamed because they messed up. But you know what God said? Where y'all at? God was like, where y'all at? I'm not tripping. 
Where y'all at? Are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? Okay, cool. Next slide. That's good. Okay, cool. Oh, my gosh. These slides get better and better. Okay, so look. This is a verbatim, a slide from our youth meeting. Anybody remember this? Levites. Okay, so right here, we have the old covenant and the new covenant. Whew. I know y'all can't read it, so I'm going to read it. Oh, my gosh. I have to take a lap, Tim. Okay, the old covenant was given on Mount Sinai. The old covenant is the Ten Commandments. Everybody know the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. That all based on what you do. All based on your performance. Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. Look what God said in this one verse. This is so cold-blooded. He says, if you do, if you do this sin, I am going to remember it to the third and fourth generations. This how cold God was back in the day. If you don't know how cold God was, read the Old Testament before Jesus. Read anything before Jesus. He was so cold. You do this to your kids, kids, kids. They're going to be cursed. This is God. Okay? Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. The new covenant. Let me read. Can I read this for y'all? If there was nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would be made for another one. If there was nothing wrong with this thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not, I wouldn't even be writing these words. That's basically what he's saying. Boom. The days are coming when I will make a new covenant with my people mm. and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant. It will not be like the old covenant. The new covenant is this. I will. It's, look, you can't see it. It's I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. All the way down. From thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not, to I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Yo, this is the truth. If you ever believe anything other than this, you are tripping. Okay, I'm going to tell you straight up. You're tripping. Check this out specifically. Okay, on the old covenant, he gave it on two stone tablets. The Ten Commandments, this Bible says God wrote it himself on two stone tablets. Two physical tablets. Because it was based on your physical performance. It was based on what you did. So you can physically hold it and physically see it. Check out this. In the new covenant, I will put my laws in their minds and in their hearts. Ooh. Under the new covenant, I'm going to deal with you directly. So your law is not my law. It's not Pastor Tay's law. It's not Caleb's law. I'm not holding y'all to one standard because y'all not all the same. So I'm going to personally put your law for you in your heart, in your mind, and you obey that. It don't matter what nobody else do. You got a relationship with me, so just do what I say. Forget the old covenant. I gave this example. Back in the day, we talking about like 200, 300, 400, 500 years ago. I'm not good at history. That wasn't my thing. Back in the day, it was illegal. I'm African-American. Did y'all know that? Okay. Back in the day, it was illegal for African-Americans to read. If they caught you with a book, it was problems. Okay? So today, when I want to read a book, I'm not like, I'm not looking over my shoulder because the old law is. The old law is finished. Why would I even take time to think about it? Why would I even stop and think about the old? It's a new one and it's better. Why would I even stop and take time and think about a law from hundreds of years ago when there's a new law and it's better? You feel me? I love this. I will. I will. I will put. Look at this. No longer will they teach their neighbor. Uh, where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? Uh, I will forgive their wickedness. I will remember their sins no more. We went from, I, you are cursed to the fourth generation to I will remember your sins no more. When you mess up, what, what happened? I don't, even, I don't even know what happened. What you do? Oh, I don't even know what you did. That's God now. You see the people who understand this, this is so good. 
This is a key to your life. I'm telling you, if nothing else is going on, if nothing else is going right in your life, at the, at the elementary truth, the Lord is your righteousness. The Lord is your righteousness. That's all you need. Next slide. Man, I love that. I love that. I love that so much. Yo, God is not tripping off sin like he was in the Old Testament. He's not. He's not tripping off sin like he was in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, he was wildin'. Okay, Adam and Eve sin, boom, y'all out the garden. Y'all out the garden. And Noah's day, they sin, flood. Out of there. That's how he was going with it. Not no more. Not no more. Not no more. I love that. All right, so look. All right, this is about to get really good now. Y'all ready? Okay, check this out. So I'm going to show y'all some differences between the old law and the new law. All right, now this is the first words God ever said to Moses, ever. If you don't know, Moses represents the law. When God gave the Ten Commandments, he gave them to Moses. Moses gave them to the people. So anytime you hear Moses, you can think law. Moses, law. It says it in the New Testament as well. Moses represents the law. Jesus represents grace, okay? That's just a common thing in the Bible. First time God ever talks to Moses. And if you don't know this, their relationship would get so close. I don't know if y'all have read how close God and Moses were. The Bible says God would come down and talk to Moses face to face like a friend talks to a friend. Not with any hidden messages or signs or symbols. He said, I talk to the prophets that way. I talk to the prophets through fire and symbols and signs and dreams. I come to Moses and I talk to him like this. They was like this, okay? I'm trying to get like that with God. Anybody else? Just come down and talk to me. We heat up some hot pockets. We'll have a good time, okay? Look, God called to him in the midst of the bush. This is the burning bush. This is the first time God saw Moses and God connected, right? Took to him in the burning bush and said, Moses, Moses, here I am. Moses started to come close. Check this out. Moses started to come close. In relationship. Moses, here I am. Oh, he starts coming close. Do not draw near. Woo. Do not come close to me. Back up. Take your sandals off. This is a holy ground. Okay. I wanted to do this whole thing where I did the difference between righteousness and holiness, but I don't got time. But what it basically means... God is so holy. It's like the sun. If you get too close to the sun, you die. Y'all heard pastor talk about the Ark of the Covenant, and that represents God's presence. That's later on, but he built this thing called the Ark, and it represented God's presence. His presence will manifest over this Ark. Remember, pastor told the story of how one of the Israelites touched it and died. A little bit after this, when God gave the Ten Commandments, he said, don't let any of the Israelites touch the mountain that I'm talking to you on. If they, if a, he said, if an animal touches this mountain, it's going to die. That's what holiness meant back then. He said, this, is, this space is so holy, I'm like the sun. If you come close, you're going to die. Do not draw near. Take off your sandals. You about to die. Let's go to the next slide. That's the Old Testament. That's Exodus. Look at the New Testament. Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Woo! We can enter the most holy place with confidence. With confidence, bro. By the blood of Jesus. By what? By what? By the blood of Jesus. Now we can enter the most holy place with confidence. With Cheetos still on our fingers, we can just enter in in our drawers in the morning. We can just get in the holy of holies. I'm not joking. I've done that. By a new and living way, he's opened the curtain for us. Y'all remember when Jesus died on the cross, it says the veil was rent. The veil was torn. The curtain is now open. The curtain is now open to the holy of holies. Since we have a great priest over the house, let us come close. 
I want a relationship with you now. Jesus has died. He's torn the curtain. Come close to me. I want a relationship with you now. This is what I want more than anything. I'm your righteousness. I am your right. Nothing is stopping you from coming close to me. I am your righteousness. Come to me. I love that. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance. You can be sure on it. Full assurance. You ain't even got to guess like, man, am I good with God? Man, am I good right now? That don't exist. Full confidence. Having our hearts sprinkled, cleansed from a what? From a guilty conscience. It's the only thing that can stop you from entering the Holy of Holies. It's the only thing that can stop you from entering the holiest place there is. Your own mind. Your own consciousness. Thinking about your own mistakes and dwelling on them things. It's the only thing that can stop you now. It's the only thing that can stop you now. Man, let's go to the next one. Y'all remember to take off your sandals, right? This the prodigal son. Woo! Luke 15. The son said to the father, Father, I have sinned. He was conscious of his own sins. He was thinking about his own mistakes. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy to be called your son. He was like, let me just be a servant in your house to his dad. Let me just serve. I'm not worthy to be your son. He arose and came to his father. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran. This is a picture of God in us. This is grace. Under Moses, do not draw near. Under grace, I'm running to you. I'm coming to you. A great way off. That means you ain't nowhere, you ain't nowhere near finished. You still making a lot of mistakes. You are a great way off. I'm running to you. I'm coming. The father saw him. He had compassion. He ran. He jumped on his neck and he kissed him like a father would do. The good father of souls. Good God almighty. Get on up. Somebody say get on up. The father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Put sandals on his feet. Put sandals on his feet. He has a right to stand on this holy ground. Put sandals on my son's feet right now. Old Testament, take your sandals off. New Testament, put them Crocs on. Good God Almighty. Pastor Tay, put them Crocs on. That's the next message right there. Let's go to the next slide. Man, this is good. Is this helping anybody? Is this helping anybody? Man. Boy, I swear, I promise y'all God gave me notes and I haven't been reading them. All right, cool. I think I'm still good. Whew. Okay, what's that say? All right, so check this out. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by... Okay, so we all know the verse. <laughs> we all know the verse. You're changed by changing your mind. What do you change your mind to? The Lord is my righteousness. Yo, I'm telling you, it's this simple. You're transformed by changing your mind. What do I change my mind to? The Lord is my righteousness. No matter what happens, he got me. And I'm changed. Okay, so check this out. We're going to go through, like, a, I call this a chain. Or the next three slides build upon each other. Okay? Paul wrote all of them. Okay? So Paul, has a, Paul writes about righteousness and grace in the whole New Testament. If you never heard this, you're not reading the New Testament. Because <laughs> it's all in there. Okay? Put on the full armor of God so you can stand against the devil's schemes, his wiles. What's his wiles? Condemnation. What's his trick? Guilt. Shame. You put on the armor so you can stand against that. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Remember that. We're not arguing with flesh and blood. We're arguing with this thing right here. This will be struggling against every day. Jesus said it's finished. On the cross, he said it's finished. So the only question is, do I believe it's finished? It's the only question, right? Our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, check this out, but against rulers and authorities, powers of the dark world, spiritual forces of evil 
Boy, that sounds scary. I don't know about y'all. I'd rather fight flesh and blood than all that. Bring them in. Tell them stay away from my eyes. That's an inside joke. Rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world. That's what we fighting. Yeah. Seems kind of scary. Let's go to the next slide. Mm. Once again, we walk, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. Same thing the one other one just said, right? We're not fighting the flesh. Watch how it builds, though. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought. These big bad forces, these big bad wicked spiritual forces are thoughts and imaginations and mental strongholds and knowledge. That's what we're fighting against. That's these big bad rulers. Thoughts. That's these big bad things that, that we're fighting against. Thoughts. Knowledge. Bringing every thought to the obedience of Christ. What is the obedience of Christ? Let's go to the next slide. Through one man's obedience... We're all made righteous. We bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought that comes against us in condemnation, we bring it to the Lord is my righteousness. Every single thought. Every time the enemy tempts you, tries to make you feel bad, try to make you feel guilty, I'm bringing that down. Bringing strongholds down into captivity. The Lord is my righteousness. Next slide. I love that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Boom. I got to give y'all the background for this. I'm almost done. Almost fail. Two almost. Um, all right. Check this out. Romans 7. Oh, my God. I love that. I love Romans 7 so much because it's me. Okay. So, Paul is writing. Paul is being so transparent in Romans 7, y'all. This is what he says. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. He's like, and you could tell he's like very introspective at this time, right? He's like, Man, the good stuff I want to do, I never do it. And then all the, all the ratchet stuff that I just hate, I do it. This is literally what it says. Go read it. It don't say ratchet, but maybe in a new translation it say ratchet. But he says, all the good stuff I want to do, I love God, man. All the good I want to do, I can't do it. And all the ratchet stuff that I just hate and I tell other people don't do, I do it. What? What is wrong with me? He says, I'm starting to feel like it's not even me doing it. It's my sin nature in me. It's not even me doing it. He's vexed. Oh, wretched man that I am. That's what a wretched do. He said, I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is always present. Every time I leave church and I say, this week going to be different, my phone rang. Every time I say, not this time, I go right back over their house. I go right back over there. And I promise I don't want to do it. But I keep doing it. At the last verse, he says, I love God's law within me. He says, but I find another law waging war against my mind that's what he said y'all after all of that he says there's another law that is waging a war in my mind and i can't shake it he says all that and then this is the first verse of the next of the next chapter there is therefore no condemnation in christ jesus this is the this is the resolve that he comes to after all that i'm tripping there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Zero. No condemn. No means what? There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. God sends his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin and condemned sin. So the enemy is trying to condemn us, but this says God has condemned sin. Sin is condemned. Ooh, that's good. I ain't even underlined that. I just saw that. 
that the righteousness of the law might be filled in us. There goes righteousness again. Almost done. Let's keep going. Let's see where we're at now. Because I forgot. Ooh. Who remember when Pastor did What's Up? Was anybody here for What's Up? That joint changed my life. So Pastor did What's Up? And he, said, he basically said, you got to determine what is up. Because the enemy took Jesus up. When Jesus was tempted, the enemy took him up. It's right here. Matthew 4. This is right after God got baptized and a voice from heaven said, that's my beloved son who I'm well pleased. Then it says, the spirit of God led him to be tempted. Now he's getting tempted. The first temptation was he was hungry. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. He said, turn these stones into bread. That was the first temptation. I'm going to just tempt your hunger because you're hungry. Okay? God was like, man, should I live by bread alone? That's not going to work. So he's, all right, let me take you up. The devil took Jesus up to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He took him to church. He took Jesus to church. The second one says that he took him to a high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world. So we got two different things. He took him high in church and high in the world. High in grace, high in sin. High in grace, high in sin. Remember it says we put on the whole armor so we can stand against the devil's schemes. Peep these schemes. Look at the difference in how he's talking in these two places. Completely different. And church, look what he said. Throw yourself down. Put yourself down. Feel bad. Feel condemned. Feel guilty. Feel ashamed. Throw yourself down. Feel bad. This word ain't working. You did something crazy last night. Jesus, throw yourself down. It's not going to work. It's never going to work. I still got you. It don't matter what you do in this building when you leave. You know you're going to text her. You know you're going to text her. Why are you even faking right now? Throw yourself down. Do you, see the, do you see the scheme? That's what he does in church. In the kingdoms of the world, he show all the splendor. Look how lit this is. Oh, my God, we having so much fun. I will give you all of this. I will give you all of this if you bow down and worship me. Do y'all see the different tricks? Y'all see what he do to you when you sinning versus what he do when you got a grace-conscious mind? Do you see the difference in his attack? It's for the same result. Bow and worship me, but through two different schemes. In church, throw yourself down. He said this to Jesus. He, he basically told him to commit suicide. He took him to the highest point of the church and tempted him with suicide. Throw yourself down. The angels will catch you. The angels will catch you. God ain't going to let you fall. What? What are we talking about? It makes no sense. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, this is my first closing. It's my first one. I'm going to follow protocol, so I have three. <laughs> Pastor, I'm not going to go against the, po the protocol of the house. I'm going to hold you down. In my first closing, Pastor says this a lot, sin and weight. Y'all remember this? It's not just sin, but it's also weight. Wherefore, sin, we're, compact, we're compassed, compassed. <laughs> With a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and weight that does so easily beset us and run, the, run this race with patience. Looking unto Jesus. This is the key, y'all. This is the key to no condemnation. Look to Jesus. Look what Jesus had to do. This is Jesus on the cross. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, so his motivation was joy. What's our theme this month? March gladness, cheer up. His motivation for the cross was joy. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Look what he did. Despising the shame. You got to focus, you got to look to Jesus, focus on joy, despise shame. He's our example. I'm looking at Jesus. Even though it's not what it's going to be right now, I got joy because I'm looking at Jesus. Jesus, Jesus himself, listen to me, Jesus himself had to despise the shame. Himself. Jesus became sin. 
He didn't just take our sins. He became sin. All the sins of the entire world, past, present, and future. Can you imagine how much shame came with that? We saw in Genesis, immediately after sin is what? Shame. He despised all of that. He had to do it. Despising the shame and sat down. Consider him. When you feel like you're about to fall, consider him. Consider him who endured such contradiction. Look at the last part. You have not yet resisted unto blood. I don't care how bad you think it is. You have not yet resisted unto blood to serve Jesus. This is what the Bible says. When you feel weak, consider Jesus. He died. You're not dying. You haven't yet resisted unto blood. You're not fighting the enemy unto blood because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So it's all in your mind. Next slide. Skip that, please. 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 Yes, Okay. Second closing. <laughs> Jesus literally said, get up to so many people. Like, I'm talking about literally. To Joshua. Joshua and the Israelites lost the battle. Joshua was on the, on the ground crying like, God, why you let us lose? Why you let us lose? We your people. He said, get up. Stop crying. It's in the Bible. Jairus' daughter. Jairus' daughter was sick. Jesus went all the way to Jairus' house, grabbed her hand and said, little girl, get up. Little girl, get up. Peter was in jail. The Bible says an angel of light came into the prison cell and said, Peter, get up. And his chains just fell off. That's good to me. Jesus was praying. Remember, Jesus went to go pray. He sweat blood. He's up there praying. He come back. The disciples is asleep. He said, get up. Y'all can't pray with me for an hour? Get up. It's only 6 o'clock. I don't think he said that, y'all. Just do that. Now. The ten lepers, as they went, Pastor loves this. I love it too. As they went, they were made better. Jesus cleansed ten lepers. Only one of them came back and said thank you. One of them came back and said thank you. He came back. He fell on his face. He's like, God, thank you so much. Jesus said, Get up. Your faith made you whole. Your belief made you whole, not me. Jesus hadn't even died yet. Get up. Your faith did it. Let's go. You good. At the mountain of transfiguration, a, a God came down for a second time. Jesus is being transfigured. The Bible says Moses and Elijah just showed up on the mountain. And the disciples were scared. They was all afraid. They fell on the ground. Jesus was like, get up. This is a good thing that's happening. So many contexts where he says, get up. It's hard to choose just one, but I went with this one. Check this out. There was a man who had been an invalid. He was sick for 38 years. 38 years. That's almost your whole life. For 38 years, he was sick. Jesus saw him lying there. He learned of his condition, and he went to him and said, do you want to be well? Now, let me ask y'all a simple question. You've been sick for 38 years. Jesus comes to you and said, do you want to be healed? In unison, in a beautiful unison, what is the answer? So simple. Look what this dude said. Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, somebody else goes down ahead of me. This is us. Jesus is like, do you want to be better? Jesus. Oh, my God. They're talking about me at work, and I don't have that much money in my bank account. I don't know what's going on. You're supposed to be the Alpha and Omega. Why aren't you helping me? Oh, no. Jesus. It's not just y'all. It's me, too. Do you want to be well, Christian? Jesus. I'm not where I want to be in life. I just should be so much further. Every time I try to do good, somebody goes ahead of me, and they get it. So whack. What did Jesus say to him? Get up. Somebody say, get on up. Get up. Pick up your bed and walk.
The Bible says, at once, at once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day this took place was the Sabbath. And I want to make one more point. Who remembers when pastor teached on our rest? Okay. So we learned here at Live that rest is a realm. Rest is a realm that you enter into and you just live in rest. Look at the hidden messages in this verse. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your bed, pick up your rest. Pick up your rest and walk. Pick up your, it's not by your performance. It's clearly not, because all you did was complain. So you, you clearly can't do this on your own. It's been 38 years. So <laughs> pick up your rest and go. Get up. Look, the last part. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. That's the day of rest. That's the day where you're not supposed to do no miracles. Jesus did it on the Sabbath to show that when you rest, I work. When you stop complaining and just live in this rest realm, at once you're cured. At once. Go to the next slide real quick. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Noah, look, Noah found grace. In the eyes of the Lord. I looked up Noah. You know what it means? Literally. You know what it means? Rest. His name in Hebrew means rest. It literally says, rest found grace. Sam, I can't make this up. Rest found grace. Get up. Take your rest and walk. Resting doesn't mean you don't do anything. You still have to walk forward, but take the rest first, then walk. First, get up, stop complaining, enter the rest realm, and then walk. Next slide. Last thing on rest. This is how we know, oh my God, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and we set our hearts at rest. This is how you know you're at rest. Even if our hearts condemn us, even if our own heart we condemn ourselves, even if our own heart we condemn ourselves, we know that God is greater than our hearts. He created it. He put the whole thing together. He's greater than your perception of yourself. His perception is greater than yours. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I know the thoughts, thoughts of good, give you an expected end. Even if our own hearts condemn us, he's greater than our own. He's better, he's greater. Woo. Last closing, God will credit us righteousness. We get credit for it because of that. He will credit it to us. It's not cash, it's credit. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you ahead of time. Check this out, he was delivered to death for our sins but he was raised for our justification. He died for our sins. Very important. He was raised for our justification. He was raised so that you can live a good, not condemned life, a life of no condemnation. He was raised so you can be justified to enter the Holy of Holies. That's why he got up. Go to the next slide real quick. Oh yeah, one more thing. On the cross, so important. Every time Jesus referred to God, he called him my father. My father, my father, my, even before the cross, when he was just talking to people, the father, the father, the father. He said, Father, forgive them for they know what, not what they do. After that moment where all of that sin and condemnation came upon him, the first time he ever referred to God as my God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He referred to him as God so we could refer to him as Father. He took the condemnation and, and gave up his sonship and became sin so we could call him Father. So we could call him Father so important and then right after that right after that moment was done and he said finished he said father I commit my spirit into your hands right back that's power if Christ has if Christ has not been raised check this out if Christ has not been raised our preaching is useless he died for our sins but if he didn't get up our preaching is useless and so is faith 
it's for nothing if he didn't get up. If he died and didn't get up, it's for nothing. And Christ, if Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile and we're still in sin. Even with him dying, we're still in sin if he didn't get up. That's how important it is. Go to the next slide. Next slide. If we have been united with him in death, then we are also certainly united with him in resurrection. If he got up, guess what we can do? We can get up. If we're united in death, we're united in resurrection. Last slide, last one, one more. This is the last question I have for you. How long will you turn my glory into shame? How long? My son came to earth and died for your sins so that when you feel bad, or when you sin, but you don't feel bad, I get glory. Check this out. When you sin, but you have a consciousness of what Jesus did on the cross, God gets glory. Even in, in sin, when you have a conscious mind of his grace, God gets glory even when you mess up. How long will you turn that glory into shame? How long? How long are we going to do it? No more. Somebody say, get on up. It's the last thing I'm going to say, and then we out of here. Whenever you take a close look at Jesus, you see perfection. Whenever you take a close look at Jesus, you see goodness. Paul, let me start with Peter. Peter said he committed no sins, and in his mouth was found no guile or no ratchetness. He committed no sins, and his mouth was found no, no guile. The reason Peter said that is because Peter was a man of action. Peter cut off ears, he denied Jesus, and he cursed. So that was his perspective. He committed no sin. He spoke no guile. John said, in him was no sin. Because John identifies with love. John calls himself the disciple who Jesus loved. So his personal, his personal relationship says, in him was no sin. Paul is a writer. He's a man of intellect. So Paul said he knew no sin. He knew no sin. He became sin that we might be the righteousness. It don't even stop with them. Pontius Pilate, when he looked at Jesus, he put him on trial. He looked at him. He came back to the people and said, I find no fault with this man. He's good. His wife, Pontius Pilate's wife, said, have nothing to do with this righteous man. Whoever looks at him sees good. Have nothing to do with this righteous man. The centurion at the cross said, surely this is the son of God. When you look at him, you see good. He's only good. The centurion says, surely this is the son of God. Judas, the one who betrayed him, took back the silver, 30 pieces of silver, took it back to the Pharisees and said, surely I have betrayed innocent blood. This man ain't do nothing. Even the thief on the cross told the other thief, watch your mouth. Don't you see this man has done nothing amiss? No matter who, you look at Jesus, you only see good. Looking unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. Despising the shame. Live, if there's nothing else you leave with tonight, every morning, please take that pill. We all need to be of one mind. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. Ezekiel 37 says we're going to be an exceedingly great army. The dry bones come together in us. Us, not Pastor Tay, not Pastor Ty. We're going to make up an exceedingly great army. The only way we can do that is being in one mind. Every morning, wake up and take that pill. The Lord is my righteousness. The Lord is my righteousness. Enemy, you don't have a foothold in my mind today. You don't have a foothold in my mind. And I don't even know what I'm going to do today, but I know at the end of the day, the Lord is my righteousness. I know I ain't going to feel guilty about nothing. I'm going to walk boldly with confidence. I trust in my God. Tim, if you could just sing this song for me, bro. I feel it right now. Lyrics that are very important to me. Song, Holy Spirit. The lyrics say, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Is that it? Check this out. Let us become more aware. Too often, we're asking God for things that he's already given us. He's already given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. He's given it to us. Let us become more aware of what you've already given. We're asking for too much. Jesus was talking to one of his disciples. He said, I'm not going to be here that much longer. I'm leaving. But you know the way. The disciples said, how do I know the way? We don't ever know what you're doing. We never understand nothing you do. How do I know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, 
you know me. So stop asking God to make a way and go to Jesus. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Father, that's my prayer today. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your gift of righteousness. Father, I thank you right now that we will no longer walk in condemnation because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. By one man's obedience, we were all made righteousness. Or we were all made righteous. Father, I ask you to just open up the windows of heaven and show us your rest realm. Father, show us your rest realm and let it manifest in our lives. Let it manifest in our minds. Let it manifest in our hearts. Father, no matter what, what scheme, what, uh, what wild the enemy tries to attack us with, Father, I promise you that from this day on, we will look at you not only as Jehovah Jireh, not only as Jehovah Rasa, Rapha, not only as Jehovah Nisi, but as Jehovah Sikanu, the Lord our righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. By one man's obedience, we're all made righteous in Jesus' name. Make some noise if you believe that. Come on, live, church. Make some noise if you believe that. Make some noise for Jesus. Now, what you just did, double that for Jesus. Double what you just did for Jesus. Hallelujah, God, we praise your name. We give you glory and honor, Thanks for listening to today's message. We pray you were blessed by God's word. If you would like to partner with us so that we can continue sharing the gospel around the world, please visit livechurchorlando.com.